0: There aren't many pieces of music that can survive on a tea towel, but the chaconne from Bach's second partita for unaccompanied violin, otherwise known as the chaconne, is one. Chacon was originally a dance movement in a slow 3-4 time. The word first appeared in this sense in Spain in 1591, but its origins go back further. Some people suggest it originates in the Basque word for pretty, others that it's a corruption of the word chanson. However, the defining aspect for all chacons is that the music is built up over a repeated bass line or harmonic sequence, and in this technique Bach had some pretty illustrious predecessors. One of the most famous examples is Pachelbel's Canon. repeats over and over again, and Pachelbel ingeniously creates ever more intricate and complex melodies across each repetition, using every possible trick in his composer's manual. The work builds into a grand contrapuntal design, but always underlying the whole structure, the bass continues repeating the same four-bar phrase without alteration. But the technique of creating variations over a repeating harmony isn't limited to ancient historical forms. I could play you examples by Brahms, Form Williams, Louis Armstrong, or something even more recent. The way a jazz musician or a rock guitarist improvises over a repeated refrain is really very similar to the process of variation, invention and evolution that Bach employs in his Chaconne. And like a great jazz solo, Bach's Chaconne takes us on a journey. And it's the greatness and breadth of the journey which sets Bach's work apart, yes, even when it appears as a design on a tea towel. Having set himself the task of writing the ultimate chaconne, Bach made it even harder by setting the work for a solo violin. The contrapuntal and harmonic complexities of his music might have been more easily served by a keyboard instrument, or even an ensemble. But Bach instead opts for a single voice. Perhaps we can understand this decision if we compare, say, the power of a large, slogan-chanting crowd to the charisma of an individual, eloquent orator. In some ways, using only a single instrument makes the music even more potent. And Bach uses a variety of techniques to create a more than usually intricate web of melodies and harmonies for his solo violin. This is double stopping. The player strikes two strings at the same time with his bow, creating two-note chords. And if more than two parts are needed, the player can glide across more strings, creating three or even four-part broken chords. Another trick is to alternate between high and low passages to create the impression of two instruments duetting with each other. And Bach uses the same technique here to imitate perhaps a bubbling violin line above a cello below. Chacon always begins with a statement of the theme on which the rest of the work is to be based. This is often a very simple idea, sometimes even just an unadorned baseline. Bach's opening idea isn't so straightforward, but something decidedly more forthright. Having stated the theme, Bach sets out on his series of variations, a remarkable sixty-three in total. The first variation, though, is hardly a variation at all. It repeats the theme almost note for note, giving us a chance to get it fixed in our minds. There is just one alteration, though. Bach transforms the rather diffident final cadence, into something a little bit stronger. And this new formula introduces a dotted idea which becomes the germ for the next four variations. The early variations take their cue from the opening and fall into pairs, the second of each pair a virtual repeat of the first. This is going to be a long movement and Bach doesn't want to overwhelm us with too many different ideas right at the beginning. The simple dotted rhythms gradually lift the music from the severity of the beginning into the realm of a stately dance. You may have noticed the bass line, which has been unobtrusively repeating in the background under all these variations. But in the last couple of variations we heard, Bach alters this to a more chromatic version. We know that a chaconne is a series of variations over a repeating bass line or harmonic sequence. Well, it's obvious that it's not the bass line that's repeating. We've barely begun, and Bach has already made changes to it. But he's been altering the harmonies too. They're not a repeating sequence either. There's something deeper holding these variations together, and it's not always there to be heard. We'll need to wait until we get further in before we see what he's up to. In the next few variations, the second of each pair is an elaborated version of the first. Let's look a bit more closely at how he does this. The first phrase of the next passage becomes in the following variation and the next phrase This process of elaboration pushes the music forward. It's evolving, questing even, belying the supporting repetitive structure. Clark has the bit between his teeth, and it becomes increasingly difficult to follow the repeating pattern as he lets each variation flow into the other, in an inexhaustible stream of invention. The baseline seems to have disappeared altogether, but in fact it's still there, in both forms, hidden in the texture, or sometimes just implied. last variation was a particularly important one. It suddenly breaks the flow of all those running semiquavers, and for the first time in a while we have a definite bass line again. (laughs) Or, to put it more simply, This, it seems, is where Bach was heading all the time. The two other versions we've heard of the bass line are actually themselves variations on that most basic form which we finally find here. In fact, this descending line is a very familiar musical cliché, upon which all sorts of music has been built. It was a popular starting point for Chaconne's, so it's natural that the master would wish to show off his skill with such a commonplace formula. But Bach hasn't done the obvious, and stated his theme right from the beginning. He buried it deep underneath the underlying structure, not fully revealing it until now. his descending bass now out in the open, Bach slowly begins to cover up its traces again. The music becomes more and more virtuosic, building up the excitement as he reintroduces the more complex chromatic harmonies from the beginning. Violins can't usually sustain chords of more than two notes, but Bach now feels the need to increase the density of his harmony and bring the movement to a climax. We've already heard at the start how the player can spread the notes of the chord to give the impression of a four-part harmony. If, instead of gliding across the notes of the chord just once, the player rapidly repeats them over and over again, he can give an impression of a sustained chord. Bach uses this flickering technique in not just one variation, but in an extended passage of shifting, evolving harmonies, eventually growing to a powerful peroration. Played on the keyboard, this music sounds plain and unadorned. but the violin sound gives it a very special quality. Walter Reiter, who recorded today's musical examples, likens it to the fluttering of angels' wings. This grand, protracted climax leads back to a complete restatement of the opening theme, the traditional way of finishing a chaconne, and indeed we might expect Bach to finish there. But he's plenty more tricks up his sleeve, and in fact we're only half-way through. Bach effortlessly moves us from the turbulence of the preceding music to a section of the utmost serenity. This new music is based very closely on the opening theme, but it's now in the major mode, and its character has been completely transformed. The peaceful lyrical mood suddenly gives Bach a whole new area of exploration for his next variations. As he works with these new ideas, a feeling of expectation and yearning wells up from the music. And here Bach borrows a technique from organ music. On the organ it's possible to sustain a single note through an entire passage, like the low pedal note in this example from Bach's C minor fantasy. The violin can't hold a pitch continuously like that so Bach cleverly engineers the melody to keep returning to the same note, building a mellifluous counterpoint around it that's as much in our heads as written on the page. As the music ever more insistently reiterates the note A we get the impression that it's sounding pretty much all the time, even when it's sometimes not actually there. returns to the stormy minor key of the opening for the final ten variations. Rather than crank the music up yet another gear for a spectacular climactic finale, as was common in many chicons of the period, the music now begins to slowly wind down to a close. Remember that diffident cadence at the end of the original theme? The lethargy of this motive now seems to take over the mood, casting a pallor of resigned sadness on this coda. Later the music picks up on the insistent, repeated A from earlier. The violin now returns to it almost constantly, while Bach weaves a melancholy little tune around it. might remind you of yet another passage in Bach which also revolves around the note a the famous fugue subject from Bach's to Carter and fugue in D minor which many people consider was originally a solo violin piece so which precisely is the king of instruments now okay the organ can roar but so in its perfect microcosm can the violin And, in the process of exploring one of the oldest and most primitive bass sequences in music, Bach has revealed a complete universe. I'm more than usually aware that we've only been able to scratch the surface of this music today, but then you could spend an entire lifetime studying this sublime masterpiece. Even today, new things are being discovered in this work. Recent research by Professor Helga Turner has uncovered a series of chorale tunes hidden in the Chaconne, hymns on themes of death and resurrection. And that leads her to suspect that Bach wrote this work as a memorial to his recently deceased first wife. Does that sound far-fetched? Well, a recent recording superimposing those hymn tunes onto the solo violin part really makes it sound as if they belong there. chacon not as he intended but perhaps as he heard it in his own mind however you approach this music it's a work to lose yourself in a whole world to explore we're going to hear a performance of it now played by walter riter and he says bach takes us in this chacon on a pilgrimage to the holy places which he Perhaps only he can show us. He leads us through the whole gamut of human emotions, from the ecstasy of those gigantic organ-like chords to the touchingly devout piety which was at the centre of his being, urging us to share the agony of his Saviour and his yearning for God. Here now is Walter Reiter with a complete performance of the Chaconne in D minor from the Partita No. 2 by Johann Sebastian Bach.